Now, in this passage, Jesus uh, uh, talks about people being angry and equating it with murder. And he uh, uses a couple of strong words. The first word is raka. And that word means good for nothing. In fact, it means being worthless. The other word, the word fool, back in the biblical context, would be an irreverent, immoral, depraved, somebody who's totally devoid of common sense. And so he's talking about words that attack the character, the ability, and the value of another human being. And Jesus makes it clear that being angry enough to insult someone makes the, a person liable to hell fire. The word hell in this case is translated from the Greek word geena, a reference to the ever-burning trash dump outside the city, and it was used as a symbol referring to eternal damnation. And Jesus is showing us through this that God cares about our actions for sure. But he cares even more. He cares most about the heart. The reason for this command not to murder, uh, it's, it's first found, the reason is actually found in the Old Testament in Genesis 9-6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Now, if being made in the image of God makes it uh, wrong to murder or be murdered, it also makes it wrong to call a person worthless. Guarding the heart and the mind is just as much a part of obedience to God as good behavior. And Jesus will later on lay out the fact that we are going to be accountable for every word that we utter. When we get to heaven, every careless word that we say, we are going to be and we are accountable for every word. And he says that uh, uh, words are important because they reflect what's in the heart. They come forth from the heart. That's what he was telling him. It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of a person through their mouth that defiles them. And I'm afraid that not many people pay much attention to this. And so I think it's very essential that we talk about it at this time while we're talking about the essentials, the necessary parts of uh, Christian maturity. And uh, we've talked how we are supposed to be moving on to perfection, that uh, we, whenever the Lord comes into our hearts, whenever we surrender our lives to him and commit to him, his Holy Spirit, if we'll open our hearts up to him, will come in. And he will begin to transform us. He will begin a work within us. But at the same time, 
It's up to us to cooperate with him. It's not that we just go on autopilot and become puppets. We have to, uh, from that point on, try to understand what the will of the Lord is. And uh, it becomes a matter of putting off the old man and the old woman and putting on the new man, the new woman. And uh, we let's face it, we all have lots of bad habits. And habit is a gift of God. Just imagine if you wanted to drive somewhere in the car and you didn't have the gift of habit. When you got to the car, when you found, remembered where your car was, you'd, uh, some of us have a hard time with that parking lot anyway, don't we? But uh, you go out to your car. Do you think about where your key is? Now, some of you ladies do. I know you have to open it up, dig around. It's like mining every time you go to get in the car, you know. But uh, guys in particular, you know which pocket your key's in. You don't even look. And you don't think, okay, I need to get the key out if I'm going to drive this car. You don't even think about that. You just do it. It's automatic. And how to open the door? You don't have to remember every time you get to the car how you open the door, do you? You know how to do that, and it's just automatic. You just do it because it's habit. Now, when you get a new car, sometimes you might scratch your head a few times. I understand that. and But uh, after you get it down, it becomes habit. And whenever you get in the car and you, you've driven it a while, you don't even look where you put the key in the ignition, do you? You know which side of the steering column it's going to be on. Of course, nowadays, some of you guys have cars that are so fancy, you don't even you used to have a fob in your pocket, I know. But uh, uh, those of you that still have to use keys like me, uh, you know where it goes and you just stick it in. You don't have to worry about or think about which way you turn it. It's just you just know and you do it. You don't even think. You just go get in the car, oh, crank it up, and then you don't have to remember. Oh, do I go this way or this way with the steering, uh, with the, uh, uh, the 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 gear shift? You know, you know what to do uh, after you've driven an, uh, a, a, a manual transmission for a while. You know what? You don't have to think. I got to push in on the clutch now, or something bad's going to happen. When anyway, you don't even have to think about that. It's automatic it's habit well whenever you become a christian sometimes your habits don't go away and there's some habits that we need to break and the lord will convict you of those habits which need to be broken and one of those habits is just having outbursts of anger one of those habits is spewing forth, cutting, hurting words at other people, berating people, putting them down. Uh, so what's what we're going to be talking about today is uh, is anger, how to handle it, because habitually most of us do not handle anger properly we don't handle it the way the lord wants us to but as we endeavor to we will grow 
And I want to show you one of the biggest growing points in your spiritual life today. Uh, in Hebrews 12, 14 through 16, our overarching scripture for this whole series that we're in, it says, pursue peace with all men. Now, where's the name calling and the berating and the ugliness and the meanness in that? Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification and the being made holy and the becoming more and more that person that God created you to be. Pursue peace with all men and, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it it many are defi be defiled, but that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. Some people may wonder, why in the world did he throw Esau in there? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because we can be just as guilty of being like Esau as, as anybody else. He sold his birthright to satisfy an immediate need. He sold his birthright because he wanted something. And he didn't think that his birthright was worth anything compared to a mess of turnip greens and corn uh, and cornbread. He sold his birthright. He sold his right to become the father of a nation for a mess of greens and a piece of cornbread. He thought nothing of his birthright. And we think, oh, how could he do such a thing? And yet, how many of us, when we're a, a faced with anger with somebody offends us when somebody does something that's wrong when somebody does something that uh, we don't think that they should do how many of us cast away our birthright in order for a moment of pleasure in some way in hurting somebody else how many of us just throw our birthright away? How many of us throw our eternal life out the window to satisfy an immediate want? That's why he stuck Esau in here. Because a part of sanctification is helping us to see when we are thinking too little of our birthright, when we're thinking too little of our eternal life and we despise it, in comparison with something that we want right at the moment. Do you see that? Well, nobody's shaking their head no, so I guess you do. Okay, so we'll move on. Everybody. Okay, so anyway, uh, in, with, anyway, it goes on. Well, anyway, we've gone through that. So you see, there's no place for meanness in a Christian life. In fact, we are commanded to be kind to one another. To be kind. Let's see, I'm in the wrong spot. There we go. But many Christians just don't take 
these things seriously. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Have you ever thought of how much damage your words can do? Our words can be like sword thrusts. They pierce our hearts so many times. It says, James says, in the tongue, that is in our words, are life and death. What we do with our mouths, what we say, makes a big difference. And in anger, so many people intentionally hurt each other with their words. Now, let me tell you, if you love someone, you do not want to hurt them. And I say that, and yet there may be some of you sitting here right now that have hurt people you love with your words. Knowing that they were going to hurt, you have intentionally hurt people with your words. I've seen time after time when people who say that they love each other hurt each other in anger. And one of the things that I've heard in counseling where uh, something like this comes up, where one of the person will say uh, in response to the hurtful words that came out of the other person saying, you know, I didn't really mean that. Now, think about that. Does that make it okay? Does it make your eternal soul okay? First of all, if you didn't mean it, it meant you were lying at the time. And you know, it says in the Bible that liars aren't going to heaven. So you're not putting yourself in a real good spot by explaining to somebody, oh, I was lying then. I didn't really mean it. I was lying. Okay. If you were lying and you didn't really mean what you said, then why were you doing it? Why were you saying those mean words, those hateful words, those hurtful words in order to hurt the other person, to inflict pain on them, to try to get your way with them in some shape, form or fashion? And so uh, you see, there's no good side on that. After you've said the words, after they've gone out, there's no bringing them back. And I've discovered the only thing I could do as I looked back on my life at one point after the Lord had come into my heart and shown me how wrong I was in so many different ways. And I thought of all the hurtful words, all the pain I'd inflicted on other people. And some of them were dead. I couldn't take those words back. The pain had already been inflicted. All I could do was ask the Lord to forgive me and in faith trust that his blood was enough and to receive his cleansing and washing and resolve that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And you know what? I found myself still messing up from time to time. Because it was habit, and I had to somehow do something about the habit. And that's one of the things I want to share with you this morning, was what to do about this. In uh, Genesis 4, 3 through 7, 
Cain and Abel have provided their, their put their offerings before the Lord. It said, and Abel on his part brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry. And it says his countenance, that's his face, fell. He was an unhappy camper. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why the frowny face? And then he goes ahead and he shows he knew what was going on. He said, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. We have a charge from our Lord to get our anger under control. And that's what I want to share with you today. Uh, I'll share one more scripture with you real quickly. Uh, Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, laying aside falsehood, that's lies, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And listen to this. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So the other day where a guy was saying, you know, my wife and I, we made a, a pact that we were not going to go to bed. We're, no, we were not going to go to sleep angry. We've been up for 48 hours now. <laughs> Well, says, do not give the devil an opportunity. So, uh, and also, if you let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Now, malice is mean intentions, bad intentions, slander, speaking evil of people. You're supposed to put, and what are we supposed to do? It goes on. In uh, Ephesians uh, 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Now, I gave each of you that I saw coming in a handout. Did everybody get their handout? Does anybody need a handout? Okay, everybody has their hand out. Has anybody already drawn and doodled all over yours and need another one? Okay, all righty. Uh, uh, Jimmy, you need another one? No? Okay, you're okay. All right. Okay. So, I uh, just want to go through this now with, with you on your handout. We're going to be talking about how to handle anger. And I hope that these few little moments that we have together now will change your life the same way that this discovery has changed mine. First of all, 
we can see in scripture, it's not a sin to be angry. That's not where the sin lies. Uh, Jesus got angry. It says, after looking around uh, at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. We see Jesus getting angry, but he did not sin. And so we're going to wind up getting angry from time to time. Now then, you'll see on your, your handout, uh, the first of all, I want you to do, I want to give you a little bit more information here. Uh, and you can start filling in your blanks if you want to. First of all, ne- uh, anger is a negative emotion. It's a negative emotion. And emotions, negative and positive, are gifts from God. Negative emotions are like the uh, red light on the dashboard. They let you know that something's wrong. And what, you know, whatever those red light, whenever that red light comes on, you know you need to do something quickly, don't you? And unplugging the wire from the red light isn't going to fix the problem, is it? And that's the way a lot of people try to handle anger. They self-medicate, they drink, they, uh, they drug, they do all sorts of things. They go to uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and they wind up with medications to take care of their anger. That just blunts it. It masks it, but it doesn't fix the problem. Negative emotions let us know that something's wrong And something needs to be done about it. And what's to be done about it is not to crush another person. It's to let you know there's something wrong internally. That there's something going on in your heart that needs to be dealt with. And so anger is a negative emotion. It's a defense mechanism. Anger is. What it does, whenever you get angry, it puts up a wall between you and other people. It puts distance between you and other people, doesn't it? What's the matter, honey? Nothing. The wall is up, you see? The wall is up. And uh, it keeps people at arm's length. Why? To keep you from being hurt anymore. Your, your plate is full emotionally. There's nothing else can go on it. There's no room for anything else. And so you just want to keep people away. And so that's what uh, anger does. It's a negative emotion. It is a defense mechanism. It is a gift from God if you handle it properly. Now then, the next thing we need to know, it's, 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 it's not okay to sin. You've got to remember this. Be angry and sin not. Our emotions or feelings are never an excuse for sin. And wanting to hurt people is sinful. You're supposed to, and, and don't rationalize when I say this, be practicing the golden rule. So, well, I would want to be hurt if I was doing so. That's, you know, don't do that. That's rationalization. 
you wouldn't want somebody to hurt you. And so you don't want to hurt other people. There may be something that needs to be dealt with, but you don't deal with it in a hurtful way. So uh, being angry never gives you the right to sin. And you'll, I'll hear people say, well, I was mad then. It still doesn't give you a right to sin. You never have a right to sin. So uh, they, there's, and it's never an excuse to sin and it's never a right to sin. So the admonition where it says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. What it's saying to do, handle it quickly. You handle it right then. You don't wait till 16 days from now to handle it. You handle it immediately. You start dealing with it. And uh, remember the Lord asked Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? And then he says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Now then, whenever you find yourself getting angry, you have this in the Bible. It's like a promise. If you do well, won't your countenance be lifted up? Won't you start feeling better if you do the right thing? You're not going to feel nearly as good if you do the wrong thing. So there's a way to handle it without sinning. So uh, he says, if you do well, and if you don't, Sin is crouching at the door. So why are you angry? And then do the right thing about it. Now then, I really want to look at the, I'm, I'm going to spe- specify what to do here. Well, let's go through this uh, quickly here. I'm going to fill in these blanks for you. It's a negative emotion. It's a defense mechanism. It's a gift from God. The sources of anger, first of all, are frustration. Many times we can get frustrated. You know, if you can be, and sometimes it's a combination of, uh, I'll give you the four and they'll come back. There's frustration, pain, fear, and injustice. Those are the the major causes. Most of your pain, not not your pain, but your, your anger can be distilled down to one of these areas. And uh, so uh, whenever you hear somebody and they're yelling at somebody else says, you never so-and-so, you always so-and-so. That's frustration being vented, isn't it? Somebody's had it because somebody is frustrated. You know, they're frustrated because people aren't paying attention to them. People aren't listening to them, whatever it is. And uh uh, and you can be frustrated whenever you're feeling bad or you're tired and you're sleepy and your emotional plate is full and you don't have any room to deal with anything else. So it can also be kind of a, con- a combination of pain and frustration. And so, but then it just comes forth. Uh, fear. We wind up with this fight or flight syndrome. And, uh, and so, uh, and then injustice. Whenever someone, if someone is cheating you, if someone's treating you a way that's not right, it can make you angry. 
whenever they're cheating someone else or treating someone else in a wrong way. It can make you angry. So, but you need to understand uh, what your source of anger is. What's causing it? What's at the root of it? Uh, another way as far as how people handle it, there are spewers and there are stewers. Spewers, you bump them. What are you doing there? You know, it's just all over them, right? You know, it's just, it's out. There's a burst of anger and then it's over. And then they go about their business like nothing ever happened. But then there are the stewers. And the stewers, they don't do anything. They just keep quiet and stew for days and just wait until finally maybe it'll go away. So uh, anyway, I've known people who are stewers. Some people... Uh, anyway, there was those, you may have known someone that could pull a three day mad, you know. Uh, anyway, some people are stewers and uh, some people are spewers. What's your way of normally acting? But what's going on in your heart is going on in your heart. It may be harder to identify at first if you're a uh, stewer because it may come on kind of slowly and kind of build in a way. But anyway, all this, if whenever for bad actions come out, it's because we have a faulty belief system. And if you look there, uh, you'll see a, a, a pattern. You'll see there's an incident. Whatever we have in life is filtered through our personal belief system. And then in reaction to how we perceive what happened through our belief system, then we're going to start having feelings and thoughts about it. And out of those thoughts and feelings, actions are going to come forth. And so the place to start is your belief system. And let's face it, we hear a lot about narcissistic people these days extremely self-centered people the world revolves around them and some people are so narcissistic that uh, cars are supposed to cooperate with them and never break down you know even though it's because they didn't change the oil it's the car's fault because the car broke down and uh, they'll get out and kick the car it's because of their negligence but it's the car's fault you know i mean there's people that are that self-centered uh, the light turns red before they get to it and they're in a hurry. Doesn't the world know I'm in a hurry, you know? And they'll get almost mad at God because God's not ordering the lights of the right way. I mean, it's, they're so self-centered. And so you can imagine when it comes to interacting with people, self-centered people are going to have wrong reactions when things don't go their way. Now, let's face it, we can all be a little narcissistic. And this is one of the areas where we need to grow. And this is what I want you to see this morning. And the biggest thing that should take place when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior is that we are no longer the center of our world. The world does not revolve around us. It revolves and it exists because of him.
And as it said, whenever it was admonishing us not to take each other's lives in Genesis 9, everybody around you is created with value and worth because you're all created in the image of God. And everybody in this world is just as important as you are. You may have been given a more responsible place in it, but that person is just as valuable as you are. And we're going to talk about some of this in just a minute. But uh, so anyway, this is the first place that you begin to be transformed is uh, as these habits begin to change, as we realize that we are not the center of the universe. And uh, then all of a sudden you realize that means that other person's opinions are just as important as mine, even though I know that mine are right. They have the right to their opinion and to get mad at them because their opinion doesn't agree with yours isn't giving them the same right that you're wanting them to give you. Do you see that? So you've got to, you, we're, we live in the United States of America. We're, we're always making this big deal about rights. We need to be sure we give everybody else the same rights that we want to have when it comes to how we react with each other. So uh, anyway, uh, you begin with the belief system and make sure that you're seeing other people the way that the Lord wants you to see them. Because out of your belief system, your reactions are going to come. And if you have a faulty belief system, a bad belief system, bad things are going to come out on the other side. But as we work on our hearts, you see our belief system changes, Our worldview changes. So what do you do if you're getting angry? This is a little shortcut to get started. First of all, what do you do? I feel if I'm getting angry. Now I learned this during my time as a counselor first uh, from a Christian counselor viewpoint I would tell you to uh, list the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness and self-control instead of reacting right off the bat first of all stop When you find yourself getting angry, just list the fruit of the Spirit. Now then, if you have a hard time remembering Scripture, and in secular counseling, what they'll tell you to do is so profound. Count to ten. You ever heard that? There's wisdom in that. There's more wisdom in listing the fruit of the Spirit because... It reminds you of where you're supposed to be headed in your process of becoming God's person and your sanctification. So, uh, but uh, if you can't remember the, the fruit of the Spirit, count to 10. The whole point is to disrupt this physical reaction taking place out of your corrupted belief system. So you start off... List through the Spirit or count to ten. Pause. 
and then ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this three days from now? That's always a good measure. If I say what I'm getting ready to say to this person, how am I going to feel about it three days from now? And some people, out of the meanness of their heart, say, I'm going to feel great. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to feel glad that I told them off, you know. But but see, this is your this the whole point is to ask yourself, most people, if they speak in anger three days from now, they're going to be wanting to make amends and they're going to wish that they hadn't said what they said. And they may be coming back and saying that stuff about, you know, I didn't mean it when I said that, which indicts you and lets you know that you're wrong. You're 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 in the wrong on the wrong path either way. So anyway, so say what you mean, mean what you say. That's another one of the rules of being a good Christian. So ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this three days from now when I'm sitting there in jail? Just ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this? Then ask yourself, do I have the right to be angry? Do I, and another way of asking that is, why am I angry? And this is the place where you can grow. As you, because in order to find out if you have the right to be angry, you have to ask yourself, why am I angry? And if you stop and you ask yourself that, I would say about 80% of the time, the bottom line of it's going to be because I don't want things to be this way. The real reason why I'm angry is because I want my way and I want to get it. And I want to say some mean words to get my way, to have my way. That's the bottom line. This person isn't doing things the way I think they ought to do them. That person isn't treating me the way that I think I ought to be treated. And there's all these ways that we get offended and bent out of joint that really don't give us a right to be mean and hurtful to another person. It definitely does not give us the right to sin. And so we, uh, you ask yourself, why? I have grown so much from asking this, and I must say about 80% of the time, it was because I just didn't like what was going on. But you know, that's not a reason to be angry. There's, that's not a reason. Uh, it's because other people aren't doing things the way that you think they ought to be doing. Now then, some people get the look. I'm, I'm, I'm angry because I'm right and they're wrong and they won't admit that I'm right. Let's face it. But is that a reason? To get angry? Is it a reason to lash out at somebody? No. Because as we said earlier, this is the United States of America. People have the right to be wrong. 
Have you ever even thought about that? Some perfectionists just can't even uh, embrace that at all. You know, they, you just can't be wrong. It's, and, and I know how things are supposed to be right. And so that's just the way it goes. So anyway, that's just it. You've just, I'm right. You've got to give people the right to be wrong. And I don't know how many times later on I've discovered that they were right and I was wrong. And I was so glad I hadn't acted on what I was feeling. And as you do this, as you get to the bottom of it, to the bottom line, sometimes it will get to the, you get to the bottom of it and it may be something, well, I'm angry because they purposely embarrassed me in public. Or maybe they didn't even know that they embarrassed me in public, but I was embarrassed and it hurt. So whenever you're trying to handle things in a godly way, do you jump all over them? No, what you go do is you go to them and you say things in a godly way. So and so, I don't even know if you realize, but whatever you said that... It embarrassed me when you said that I didn't want anybody else to know about that. That was supposed to be just between you and me. And you go to them and you start off by saying, it hurt me when you do that. And then you can share and talk about your pain. And they may have probably probably going to apologize. They may be callous and say, well, Sorry about that, you know, and move on. But if they do, you've handled things in the right way. Do you see that? So this is what it's all about. But you can grow. You can understand that other people aren't living by the same rules that you are. There are people that have been brought up in a totally different world than you. And their world isn't any worse than your world. And the way that their family did things may not be the way your family did things. And this is where it gets really sticky in marriages whenever uh, you get together and uh, uh, maybe uh, in your family, dads took out the trash. In the spouse's family, moms or maids took out the trash. And so when you get married and you're forming a new household and one of you tells the other, well, that trash bags, that that, that garbage can's getting pretty full. And they both agree. And the garbage just sits there and stinks because and then one of you winds up going and taking care of it. Angry because the other person didn't do their job. You see? That happens. That happens because you're from different households and their rules may not be the same as yours. And so when you get together in a new relationship, then you have to set your own sets of rules or or, or not rules. I don't like that word a lot of times, but your own way of getting things done. Do you see? And so a lot of anger, you can grow from this is what I'm telling you. You, If you'll really look at it and start trying to handle things in the right way, then you can grow. So uh, 
Do you have the right to be angry? And then the last thing that we want to look at is uh, what would Jesus have me do in this situation? Not what would Jesus do? Jesus was God. Jesus could turn them to toast. You can't do that. Okay? Uh, He wouldn't anyway. But you are His servant. He is your Lord. You committed your life to Him. You didn't commit your life to being Him. You committed your life to being His servant. And so the right question is, what would the Lord have me do in this situation? He'd have you be angry, yet do not sin. He would have you, in uh, uh, as much as it lies with you, to be at peace with one another. He would have you uh, do all these things that, that uh, bring you and this other person closer together in love as you love one another. Instead of driving wedges between each other with hurtful words and hurtful hearts. And so as you go out this week, hopefully I've given you some things to think about and some things to work on, maybe even uh, just using these tools to, to grow and to pursue that holiness without which you will not see the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.